What's up, Raptors fans? Another episode of Raptors Review here. Of course, I'm joined by Aaron and Ben, and we're going to be chatting all about the NBA Finals that just concluded. We're also, of course, going to chat about what this means for Giannis's legacy, as well as these two teams that are now finished the postseason. We'll probably look ahead, wrap up this season, look ahead to the next season, notable dates this offseason, as well as some draft buzz and trade scuttlebutt. For sure, we're going to get into all that. But let's start off right where the playoffs left off, and that is Game 6, Bucks win the championship. What do you guys think of this game? I didn't realize it, but I was actually just nakedly rooting for the Bucks this series. I hate watching Phoenix. I hate watching Chris Paul. I hate watching Devin Booker. So I was super happy that the Bucks won this. Giannis, despite all his foibles and his and his issues, is one of the most likable people in the NBA. So super happy for him and he won. And boy, did he come up big. Ben, I think he scored 50 points this game. It was dominant on both ends. Had a number of just like ridiculous blocks. He He... I don't know. He was by far and away the best player this series, which is incredible because going in, Ben and I weren't even sure he was going to play. But uh, yeah, that that was quite the game. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I mean, this was a super. The whole finals, really, from Giannis was super impressive. I felt like Phoenix never really figured out an answer for him. Like Aiton was really their only option to guard him, and that didn't work out super great in this last game. It felt like. Aiton completely collapsed mentally. Um, he got off to a shaky start, missed a couple shots early, and then just looked like he was not in the game. Um, and Giannis really took advantage of that and went at him hard. And yeah, Giannis just completely dominated. Clearly the finals MVP and maybe the best player in the playoffs next to Kevin Durant. Yeah, looking at this series, I... I'm really impressed with Giannis and just the go getativeness he showed in this series. There was no complacency from him. Like we've seen in other series trying to give the ball up. He attacked and he needed to because the Suns did not have an answer for him. And that was made even more apparent when Sarge went down and Aiton was the only one trying to hold back this like barrage of attacks from not only Giannis at the rim, but also uh, Lopez trying to get at the rim at some points, cuts from other players cutting to the basket and offensive rebounding from Pat Connaughton as well as PJ Tucker. I mean, he was like a Band-Aid holding back a river of water, right? Just like a small Band-Aid on this dam or whatever. But it obviously didn't work. He got in foul trouble and Giannis really shut him down on defense. But what my biggest takeaway from this series was just that like, the Bucks just had more cards to play. It felt like they had more answers to the questions that the Phoenix Suns could ask and they could play with their lineups, try different things, whereas there just was no answer for Giannis. There was nothing they could do. And that's what I think ended up winning. I mean, it always takes Bud a bit of time to figure things out. And he took the first two games, started playing a lot more uh, Connaughton over Lopez late in the game. And, uh, telling Giannis to attack and stop shooting those silly threes, even though he shot two in this game. But uh, yeah, I think that was the end once the Bucks figured out what they actually needed to do to win. I think the series was still super close though. Like a lot of these games went down to the wire and, you know, there was sort of like aberrational performances like that Chris Middleton game, you know, this game, he was pretty non-existent. Same with Drew Holiday. Like Drew Holiday was amazing on defense, but then he kind of gave it all back on offense. Like he was, he was not good on that end. So I don't know. I thought this series was really close and it needed all of that Giannis excellence because the Suns, they're a really good team too. Devin Booker had some amazing games. Chris Paul, I know we talked about him was like, is he hurt or not? But he played really well this game too. He wasn't as dominant as he could be, but I thought he was solid. And the Suns, the Suns are overall a really good team. But I think uh, Gavin and I, we referenced this in our finals, or Ben and I in our finals preview, the Suns just lack the top end talent that the Bucks have. And that, that really felt like the difference this series. Yeah. I, I want to just like touch on emphasize that one point that like the Bucks needed this performance from Giannis because their offense without him was not good. Like Chris Middleton could not get good looks. Drew holiday couldn't get good looks or couldn't make good looks. Like he was missing a lot of shots. Um, and while they were dominant defensively, the only person that could consistently generate offense for the Bucks was Giannis, whether that was off a of pick and roll or just driving and attacking Aiton. Like, if he doesn't score these 50 points, they probably don't win the game. And he also 
had this crazy free throw aberration. Yeah. Like he hit yeah. all of his free throws this game. And if he doesn't, if he hit, shoots 50% from the free throw line this game, like it's maybe going to overtime, maybe they lose. It, it's much closer. And so this, I think Giannis really deserves all the credit for this win. And I don't give any credit to like coaching or other people on the team. Cause this is, this felt like really just all Giannis. Well, I think there's a few players we can give some credit to on the Bucks. Okay, like, like Drew Holiday deserves some credit. His he defense was phenomenal. Like the, the, the other yeah. players did their jobs, but Giannis is the one who really like stepped up. He was the difference maker. What about yeah. Bobby Portis? Did he not step up? Yeah, he did. Bobby sure. Portis played pretty well too. Connaughton but he's Bobby Portis. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I think we need to talk more about Bobby Portis on this podcast. How impressive was this series for Bobby Portis? Do you think he should deserve a max in the offseason? <laughs> max him up. Who's giving him the max? <laughs> Raptors, let's go. We need Knicks, a center. Probably next. <laughs> yeah. Kings. They need more power forwards. What do you guys think? Um, changed in the series after game two obviously the suns won the first two games and every game that the bucks won except for that one blow it was fairly close did anything change that made the next four games just bucks wins i think the what the bucks did on defense they started to get comfortable and the, i think the sun's offense got pretty predictable after game two the the ball kind of stopped moving for phoenix they got into all the passing lanes so it, it kind of just turned into like iso shows where it was either devin booker doing an iso or it was chris paul doing a pick and roll and that was kind of what this the sun's offense devolved into and if you're the bucks that that's much easier to defend and they were able to get their best guys in there and so they really gummed up the phoenix offense and I mean, I think you could say the same thing the other way where the Bucks never had anything going on offense outside of Giannis. But I mean, that, that might also have been true for the entire playoffs. But yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think a lot of credit goes to Drew Holiday for the defensive performance he put in this series because they put him on Chris Paul for a large part of the series. And Chris Paul is really the engine for Phoenix's offense. Devin yep. Booker, for all his scoring talent, he doesn't he's not great at getting other people involved and so chris paul's the person that gets everyone in the offense involved and drew holiday essentially just locked up chris paul whenever he was guarding him and just prevented him from running any real offense uh, and it, chris paul would just have to like force bad passes chris paul had i think like 21 turnovers in this series which is a lot for chris paul and i think that speaks to how much he was pressured in this series by like drew holiday is probably the perfect defender to guard chris paul because he's stronger faster more athletic than him and so he can just stay with him no matter where he goes and I think that was the big the downfall for Phoenix is that they could never generate consistent offense because Chris Paul was hamstrung by the defense. So much of the Phoenix offense just seemed like get a switch and get Connaughton in space and like put up a mid-range jumper. Like let's get Booker yeah. to put up a mid-range jumper over Connaughton and or Portis at times, right? But sometimes they were going to Connaughton instead of Portis. Like I noticed they were hunting Connaughton more than Portis in some situations or Lopez occasionally. And as Connaughton's well. a good defender. Like, yeah, he's not Ennis Cantor. Like it's like I feel that like was... that's not a successful one on one strategy because like you want to hunt a bad defender. Like because one on one stuff isn't usually great. And if you're just hunting a solid defender, it's like that's I don't know. That doesn't feel like great offense. Average defender. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I feel like taking really hard shots. Yeah, I think the the Suns kind of got outmassed. It felt like they were they were going like the the point of their offense was to get mid range jumpers, right? Whereas the point of the Bucks' offense was to get like layups and dunks or or threes. I mean, like yeah, they they ended up taking a fair amount of mid range jumpers too because the Suns' defense is really good. But they were trying for more and like just the shots that they were going for were just more efficient and that kind of that kind of was the difference because the Suns shot making was incredible like Devin Booker and Chris Paul hit oh a ton gosh, of yes. like incredibly difficult fallaway mid-range jumpers and like there are so many instances where just like what, what else are you supposed to do on defense right and you know but the, on offense like the Bucks would get lots of dunks compared to the Suns and stuff especially like in transition where they really brought yeah. their bread right so. yeah transition was a huge difference like Phoenix and, and Chris Paul teams just in general hate running and the Bucks kind of were we're able to get out and run a bit. And when they were running, obviously Giannis is maybe the most unstoppable player in transition. Mm -hmm. Now yeah. I know you guys want to get to the, the coach bud conversation. I'm sure you're like sharks circling uh, <laughs> the raft that is the bucks. Mm -hmm. But 
I think watching game six in particular, watching Drew Holiday, watching Giannis, PJ, like his performance against Kevin Durant, who is the Bucks' best defender? What do you guys Giannis? think about that? That's tough. It's like, Giannis. Drew had one of the best perimeter to perimeter defensive performances I think I've ever seen. But Giannis being able to also protect the rim and just be elite everywhere. I think it has to go to Giannis because the rim protection that he provided, like Phoenix couldn't do anything at the rim. He had so many ridiculous blocks that I think they just were scared to go there. They either um, have two rim defenders in Lopez and Giannis or Giannis yeah. out there, right? It's, yeah. yeah. They always it's have crazy. one of them. I think it's Giannis too. I think he might be the best defender on the planet right now. Watching this series really made me think that the fact that in game six, he had like five blocks and he's like destroying Aiton. Aiton can't do anything. And then he, they're like, okay, we're going to go to a switching defense. Giannis, now you're guarding Chris Paul. And Chris Paul is not getting open looks on him. Like they're fine with that. That's like one through five. You're not going to get a bigger guy than Aiton in the league. And you're not going to get a smaller, more like nifty guy than Chris Paul. And Giannis did well against both, if not yeah. more than well, you know? And I think that just makes him the most versatile, best defender in the league, even though Drew Holiday might be the best at what he does. Just yeah, I think Giannis does more. At, at one specific thing, there's probably guys that are better than Giannis, right? It's like Gobert is a better rim protector, right? But like, you know, and like you said, Holiday's a better perimeter guy. But just like the fact that he can do everything at such a high level is, is what uh, what really separates him. So, yeah, yeah I, I'd have to go with Giannis. Okay. Coach Bud, yay or nay? We thumbs up or we thumbs down? Should he be fired? What are we saying here, boys? So I just want to go over the box score here real quick. All right. So game six of the finals, when it, when it all matters, they basically played seven guys. So PJ Tucker, who took one shot, by the way, <laughs> which is kind of remarkable in 36 minutes. Giannis obviously gets a ton of minutes. Brooke Lopez got almost 30 minutes. Middleton and Holiday obviously got a ton. And then Portis and Connaughton were the bench, right? And so like that that's basically what normal playoff rotations are is like it's seven guys maybe eight if you're lucky and a good team and it took basically until the nba finals after like year like four for him to finally like get down to this right and it's like did he like yes he finally did the right thing but are you do you have any trust that he's going to be able to make the next adjustment as the nba evolves and changes and the sort of the playoff meta changes. Is he going to be able to adapt to that? I don't think so. Like, yes, he may have finally learned the lessons and caught up to the rest of the league. I just don't think he's going to get ever get ahead of it. So I'd be looking for someone different, someone more adaptable. Like, I just, they were so close to being eliminated and him getting fired. I, I just can't be that uh, results oriented. So I, I'd say no on coach, but. I mean, let's let's be clear here that he's definitely not getting fired. Yes. But I am in agreement with you, Aaron, that I still would like to get rid of him. Because even though they won, they're, they're a team that should blow Phoenix out of the water. It felt like watching the games, they had advantages on both sides of the ball. And every game was still super close except for one blowout. Like, this went to six games and a lot of these games could have gone the other way if Giannis doesn't have a hero performance and the Bucks are just a better more talented team and they I feel like the series shouldn't have been as close as it was and so I still like they couldn't get any consistent offense outside of Giannis and they have these other good players and it's like their coaching has to be some part of the blame there of not being able to get middle sorry not being able to get Middleton good looks or Drew Holiday good looks or like even using Brooke Lopez really like I felt like he was pretty non-existent for a lot of the series I, I still think Bud is a terrible coach. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think he's going to be there, and it's going to be fine. He's a decent regular season coach, and obviously he can get it done. He knows the personnel well, but he's not optimizing this team. And I think if you look at the talent on the roster, this should be a top-tier title contender, and it's probably Tier 2 uh, for this coming season, if we're being honest. So... To me, it speaks to the coaching when I think about that. And I don't think they got everything they could out of this roster. I think there's some stuff, especially in their half-court offense, that could have been done better. But uh, I think he's here to stay. And I don't think he's the worst coach in the league. So it is what it is. Yeah, he's earned a lot of job security. Absolutely. <laughs> Purely through Absolutely. these results. <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll probably be the coach for, I guess, the rest of 
Giannis's tenure unless things go really poorly in the next year or two. But I think he's earned himself two years, two more years, and then third year if they haven't won again or if they're like petering out, I think he'll get fired. Yeah, do we want to look at the overall uh, picture for you know do a little post mortem on these teams like we've done for other playoff teams? I think it's a great idea. Yeah, so let's talk about the Bucks really quick. Like they they have a veteran laden team. I think their only young guy who could realistically get better is Divincenzo, who's hurt this playoffs, but he's probably not really going to be much more than a role guy, right? What about Giannis? He's only twenty six. There's obvious areas he could improve. If that free throw shooting from the last game is real, <laughs> watch out. Yeah, if he becomes I, like I, a seventy percent free throw shooter all of a sudden, like. Yeah, this I think Giannis does have minor areas of improvement. I, I like, just don't really see. Probably, this is probably what he is. I think this is this is what he is at this point in his career. Like, yeah, he might get better in certain areas, but I think his athleticism will start to decline. His effort might start to decline, and like, I just Giannis's effort, I think, is probably his best skill. Like that guy gives a hundred percent, like every play. It's He's still remarkable. young. Yeah. He's younger than LeBron was when he won his first championship. He's younger than. Steph Curry was when he won his first championship. There's still a lot of run in him, and he could still get better for sure. Yeah, just he's not like the most skilled guy in terms of like shooting and and ball handling and whatnot. He's more of a physical force. So yeah, I, and those are exactly I, the areas that are easy to improve. It's really hard to well, make someone more. Athletic. I don't think I don't think improving <laughs> skill is easy. that easy. But well, it's I easier than making someone taller or more athletic. For I mean, sure, that's for sure. That's physically impossible. So yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I mean, I think Giannis can improve a little bit, but I think we're talking at the margins here at this point and. DiVincenzo is their only young guy. You're right, Aaron. And I like I think he might be a decent role playing starter, but it's tough to see more than that from him. So I'm I'm with you there. And like they're you know they're they're pretty much maxed out in terms of salary. Like they can't you know they're getting draft picks. They gave all of them yeah to yeah like, like this is the team. Like they're going to be able to get like the taxpayers mid level. You know like get a fringe guy, and that's going to basically going to be it for this team so i don't know i actually don't think this there's another finals appearance in this team so you think they're one and done yeah i think they're one and done just like they're they're only getting older um and you know like players like pj tucker tucker and brooke lopez are you know they're definitely on the decline and they don't really Mm -hmm. have a good way to improve them and then you know like yeah divincenzo was injured but everyone else was healthy like this roster i don't think can sustain an injury to one of their three guys yeah, I agree. I think this is their shot and they got it done. And I don't expect them to be back in the finals anytime soon unless, you know, another season of injuries happens or they get lucky breaks somewhere along the line as far as the way the bracket shakes down. Perhaps they can make a run to the finals again. But I think that this is, if I'm betting, I'd say this is their championship and that's what they'll have. And yeah, because they won, I think they're locked into this team, right? Like they're not going to be making any trades. They're not going to change the coach. You know, like I think they're this is kind of as good as they're going to get. They could get some veterans to sign people that want to. Who wants to come to Milwaukee? Yeah. <laughs> I think that veteran has to be pretty desperate. I think, given that they've won and Bud is here to stay, the ceiling on this team stays where it is. And next season, I'd expect there to be at least a couple of teams in the East that are higher than them ceiling wise. And so, yeah, I mean, they could still get lucky again because they're going to be in the yeah. conversation for the next few yeah, years. They're, like, they're definitely they're a fringe swirling around. Contender. So, yeah. It's it just takes a couple things to go the right way for them, but yeah, I would be surprised if they win again for sure. Mm-hmm. The Suns, uh, obviously Chris Paul, he's going to be a year older. Frauds. But I, <laughs> I don't know Sorry. about frauds, but uh, yeah, they definitely got lucky to get there. Devin Booker on the rise, but I don't like he kind of has to remake his game and the way he thinks about basketball to kind of change the way he, he plays in my opinion. Like he, he's such a score first guy, but he is really good at it. But like the shot difficulty is just off the charts there. And then mm-hmm. I don't know if, is there anything for Aiden well, to, to get better at? Let me give the glass half full take on the suns because I know you guys are both really down on the suns, but like, I know that all their path to the finals was laden with injuries and Mm -hmm. without a doubt that played a role in them getting there. I don't think if Kawhi had been healthy, we'd we'd be seeing the Suns in the finals. That being said, they beat the teams that were in front of them and all those teams were full of veterans and 
solid teams and they put up a fight against these bucks. Like this is a good young team we have here. They have Aiton, they have Booker, Campaign, they have uh, Bridges still, they have Johnson. Like these are all young players that we can see some improvement from. And yeah, Booker might only be score first right now, but you could see him adding a bit of playmaking to his game as time goes on. Like a lot of players do. Think of DeRozan and the transitions he made later in his career. And what he is elite at is very important. And he's one of the best there is at it, making tough shots and scoring. And Aiton made a huge improvement this year and from a defensive standpoint. And he came into the league as an offensive kind of prospect. And we could see some improvements there as well. And I think Bridges has a lot of room to improve. We saw some stuff from him in this finals. A few like three dribbles, mid-range pull-up, a couple moves here and there. And he's obviously an elite defender. I think there's a lot of promise in this team moving forward. I don't know if it's with Chris Paul, but maybe you pick up someone else that's a good point guard that comes out in the free agency market and you make a trade for one. They still have a lot of picks at their disposal to go all in again. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw the Suns in the finals again at some point in the future. Maybe not next year, but maybe two years from now or three years from now. I think Glass is pretty half full for those Suns fans. Like this was almost like a free run to the finals three years ahead of when they should have been in the finals. Before I pour the water water out here, uh, you have anything to say, Ben? Yeah, well, to me, their biggest decision is whether or not they give Chris Paul the bag this summer. Because Chris Paul has a $44 million option for next year, but it's a player option. He's probably opting out and looking for a longer-term deal this summer. And if you're Phoenix, because you got to the finals, are you willing to be like, yep, Chris Paul's our guy. He's the one to lead this team going forwards, and we're going to give him like a three-year hundred million dollar deal or whatever it is like are you going to give him that much money going forwards and i'd be scared about doing that even though you take a huge step back i think if you lose chris paul this offseason for nothing and aren't able to replace him with another elite point guard but i like i don't know to me chris paul even in the finals was showing a bit of his age like he's still really good but he is definitely getting older and slower every year and uh, to me, it just it feels like the edge of the cliff is right there for him. And at some point, he's not going to be a good player anymore. And he's pretty close to that line. And so I'd be scared about giving him a long-term deal and then hamstringing your team going forward. I think, I think, I mean, the rumors out there are that they are going to extend Chris Paul. I don't know if they're going to give the full, like, five years that they can. But, you know, they're going to give him a few more years. But then Aiton is also up for an extension this offseason. And same with Bridges. And they're both going to be getting north of $20 million a year. So like this, this core is, is your team going forward and you, and like, there's no ifs, ands or buts about it. Like this is, this, these are the guys that they're going to go with. And I just, I don't think it's enough to, to get it done. And especially with like Chris Paul's age, I, I just can't see this team doing this again. And I think that they are going to end up overpaying for both uh, Aiden and Bridges. You know, I don't like, especially for Aiden offensively, he outside of the rim, he seems like a total zero. The passing isn't there. The feel isn't there defensively. He seems pretty good, but I think he was also blessed by the matchups, like (laughs) going against a five out team. Aiden is going to be a liability. And I think that was shown a bit against the Clippers and, this team if they commit to this core i think they're going to be behind the the curve on how to play basketball i disagree with you a little bit there because i think ayton as a defender he's only 22 and he's improved Mm -hmm. a lot on defense and i could see him like he's not immobile i could see him being able to hold his own out on their perimeter a little bit better than someone like rudy gobert and being just a monster defensively in the future and being totally worth the 20, 25 million that he gets per year. And so I, and same with Bridges, he's also like a great three and D guy and those are super valuable. And so paying him $20 million a year, I don't think you're losing any sleep over that. And maybe it's 25 and then it's a little like, yeah, it's, I, yeah, I think they're both going to be closer to the max than we think, but yeah, I guess if that's the case, then it might be a little bit dicey, but it is a good core. Like you're definitely going to be in the playoffs pretty yeah, much every year. Yeah. And at that point, you know, you just need I something just, to go I right. I don't think you have like a top 15 player on this team, in which case you are a good team. But against teams that are healthy with the superstars, you're just always going to be behind. 
And yeah. I, I'm not saying that they're wrong to do all this stuff. I just think that this team's going to cap out on their talent. I think you're you're right there. And if they do pay these guys Bridges and Aiton the bag, like they're close to max players, and obviously Booker's a max player, and they're going to give Paul this extension. Maybe they do a three-year or something like that with Paul. But next year, they'll be good. I mean, Paul's still going to be an all-star next year, probably. Booker will be an all-star level player. They might see some improvement from other guys after making a deep run. And as Paul wanes, maybe some of these younger players might improve. I mean, they got a lot of young players that could see if one of them makes an improvement above what expectation is, like they'll be solid, but they have to count on that internal improvement because I don't know if they'll be able to add much else. Although they do have a lot of picks, so they might be able to add something. But it's going to be tough. I agree. I think they might just be a piece away from like being a contender a lot of years, just like the Raptors were like with DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, a similar-esque team that like one of the best regular season teams, but a piece away from being over the top. Yeah, I don't don't expect to see them in the finals again um, with this with this core. But yeah, I'm with you. And I I think both teams actually just got lucky this year and probably won't be in the finals again. So Giannis carried this Bucks team to a championship. Where do we think he compares to sort of other NBA superstars that have that have done that? You know, we're talking Kawhi, LeBron you know, KD, Steph, you know, like where amongst these guys does he rank? Personally, I think he's, he's sort of at the bottom of that list, but I would, I think he's definitely a superstar. Probably, you know, obviously he's a hall of famer at this point in his career. Like that, Mm -hmm. that, that was settled a long time ago, but, um, is there any sort of overhyping Giannis right now where people calling him like the best player on the, in the world and, and whatnot? Yeah, I mean, he's probably not the best player in the world right now. And a part of that is just that the league is really like has a lot of talent in it. And there's a lot of different players that you could possibly make an argument for. Off the top of my head, you got obviously still have LeBron, you have Kevin Durant, you have Jokic, you have Harden some days, you know, Kawhi Leonard when he's healthy. You could make the argument for any of these guys to be the best player alive. Steph, yeah, the way he played down the last stretch of the season. And I just don't, I think it's hard to say that Giannis is the best player amongst them. That being said, his resume is like pretty stacked up when we're starting to think about all-time players lists already at 26. And being this young and having this many accomplishments under his belt, Giannis projects to be, you know, if he continues at this pace, a top 10 player all-time. And I don't disagree with that. He's got an MVP trophy in each of the last three years. That's pretty impressive. (laughs) He's got finals MVP. He's got two MVPs. He's got defensive player of the year. He's been five all NBA selections already. And he's only 26. Like he could still rack up, you know, another six of those before his career. Yeah. He's going to have like the LeBron number of, of all NBA teams. Right. Yeah. 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 Possibly one more MVP somewhere along the line. Three MVPs is a pretty magic number when you start looking. Yeah. I think there's not going to be the the voter bias against Giannis next year for, for the MVPs after the season. So I think if he's going to win another one next year, it might be the best bet. Mm-hmm. maybe yeah. a defensive player of the year too like it's very possible but in terms of ranking him against the other top players in the league to me this season didn't completely answer the playoff questions that i have yep. about him like i do still think the other top guys are better playoff performers and they just have more well-rounded games that can't be punished as much in the playoffs and so even though even though he just won this year it sounds crazy i still think He's not as good in the playoffs as all these other top guys. And so I'd have him below probably the fifth or sixth in the league. Yeah, I think I have him outside the top five too. But, uh, you know, incredible performance by him. Yeah, he's right on the edge of my top five in the league right now. But, uh, I mean, if he shoots 70% from the free throw line, uh, that could be... Game changer. Honestly, a game changer. Right up there, he could be number one all of a sudden. You know what I mean? It really is that important because that's the way to defend him. Just stack fouls. Yeah. So how are the Suns going to be remembered? You know, I think we just talked about this, Ben, and I think will be their last finals appearance. But, you know, like Devin Booker put up some like truly amazing games. Chris Paul was sort of not as good in the finals, but he was amazing in the earlier rounds. Uh, You know, how are we going to remember this this Phoenix Suns team? Flash in the pan, does that feel right to say? Like, I... I don't know. This has just felt so fluky to me. Like I would, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't win another playoff series 
in the next four or five years. Oh my gosh. That's another series. Like, in series. Four yeah. Or five like years? I, to me, that's not out of the question. Cause I think oh. they're like sixth best team in the West. Maybe like you've got Dallas, you've got Dallas coming on. You got both LA teams. You still got Utah. You've still got Denver. Like all those teams to me next year, I would be like, yeah, I'd rate those teams higher. And, and there's, there's also teams that we're not really aware of right now. Like, you know, let's say new Orleans gets Damian Lillard. Right. Yeah, like <laughs> like they've got Zion coming on. Uh, it's just Memphis is young as well. Like I think they're they're definitely below Phoenix right now. But there's other teams that are all sniffing. The gold, we forgot about the Warriors. Like there's there's so much talent in the West that I wouldn't be shocked if Phoenix goes into the next playoffs next year as underdogs in whatever first round series they're in depends on how the first the regular season goes i mean it's possible the suns are a top two seed again and they get to play against a wild card team and yeah but i think they're gonna win a first round in the next four years for sure i I would bank on that they're gonna win a first round series in the next four years i'm just saying i wouldn't be surprised if it didn't happen i'm not saying they're the title favorite but i think the west amongst those top six teams and maybe golden state if things go well for them is really flat like, I don't think there's that much separation six through one there. And it's kind of the Wild West, which is really exciting to watch right now. Barring any big moves this offseason, I think any of those teams could lose in the first round. Yeah, but uh, to me, the Suns are below all of those teams. Like, because they're at that, like, fringe contender point. Like, maybe, I, I don't even know if I'd put them in the contender tier. Like, even after this finals run, like, they weren't a contender for me before this. And they got lucky to get here. Like I still like I don't even think they're in the contender tier for next year. If I if we start ranking the teams next year, they're below like five teams in the West. And at that point, are you really a contender? Like, well, let's think. Like I put them below the Clippers if Kawhi's healthy. I put them probably below the Nuggets. I put them below the Lakers. Mm, I don't know about that one. I put what? them. It's LeBron and AD. Yeah, I, so I think we can look on back. Two injury riddled and like almost a forty year old man to carry a team of nobodies. It's the it's the, the goat, and I think I think no. If there if there's a bet to make right now, it's buying low on AD's MVP chances next year. Oh, that's a good that's a good bet for sure. Like I think if he's, he's healthy next year. Healthy. You know, there's a good bet. The Lakers are going to be excellent because they have an amazing defense, good coaching, and then they have LeBron and AD. And if AD's carrying them, like, I think there's a chance he wins MVP. I don't know. I don't buy the Lakers hype. I just think the roster has such obvious misgivings after the first two players. And I think they're an old team that's not getting younger. And yeah, I think this was their chance. And I think they're just going to, it's going to be downhill. They still have LeBron. I don't know. I, to me, it's crazy to think that Phoenix is going to be better than LA, barring injuries. Like, of course, if you just want to like, think, if you're just predicting that they're going to get hurt and not and like not that's be able to survive to the sure playoffs, too. sure. Yeah. But like, I, Chris Paul's also ancient and could get hurt. Like, I don't know. It seems like so. He's ben, I'm definitely leaning industry. towards your side of this argument, uh, but I don't know if I'm all the way there with you. I think I think that they're they're probably. A fringe contender, but I think I think, like, a, I think a lot Warriors, of the teams in the West are yeah, a fringe contender. It depends the on Warriors how you as well. Contender, like pretty much have to go all in this offseason and trade Wiseman, Wiggins, and their picks for like. But a we real don't player. know if they're going to do that. Like their front office is horrible, right? Like they could easily screw this yeah, up. But this is just like staring them straight in the face. Of like you've got Clay coming back from injury, you've got Steph, Draymond. They're all in their thirties now. Like you have to go all in with this roster or blow it up. And you have the pieces to go all in and get another. It, Ben, good player I, I completely like, agree with you that doesn't mean so they're gonna do it just though. saying i'm expecting the warriors to be at the top of the table but in the west next year i, th- I think we'll we'll talk a bit more about the warriors when we talk about the draft because as okay. you're alluding to they are very interesting okay. interesting All question right. but yeah i think i think i'm, I'm leaning towards your uh how are we gonna remember the sun's flash in the pan i think that might be right I, but, uh, can I just say it depends on how you define contender like when i think about contender I'm like is this a team that could win the championship and I think being a top six seed in the West, the way it is, as flat as it is right now, yeah, that means you're you could like you could possibly win if things break yeah, your way. Yeah, if things break your way, that's what I mean by French contender. Like you have to get lucky, but you have the talent to do it. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that assessment. Like like this year, they were a fringe contender, right? Like they were on the outside looking in. They got lucky to get here, and then in the finals, they just got beat. Um, but uh, 
So let, let's uh, maybe wrap up the season. Obviously, this was a super interesting year for the world and, and the NBA as a whole. We had COVID, uh, and then obviously the playoffs were were marred by injuries to the superstars. I think that's what I'm going to remember the most about this year is just the the sort of the wide open race we have without a without a clear title favorite, and then that kind of the teams that we expected to duke it out all got hurt. Um, that's probably what I'm going to remember most from the season. But I don't know what, what's it for you guys. I mean, the Raptors getting the fourth pick. That's what this series is season's all about. Tampa Bay being worth it. That's what it's all about. <laughs> Jalen Green on the Raptors. Evan Mobley, one of the two. Yeah, from a Raptors angle, it's it's all about that pick. And like I would just like to erase the rest of the year from my memory. But I do remember being so excited going into these playoffs and then just every round the depression just kept going up a little bit a little bit more after every injury came in i am already looking forward to next year's playoffs yeah i I cannot wait to see a healthy nets team take on everybody i'm excited i think zion will be in the playoffs which i think will be exciting the charlotte hornets next year in the playoffs perhaps perhaps yeah the raptors probably returning to the playoffs let's see what the offseason has in in stock right like if kyle lowry doesn't miraculously end up on the pelicans they're probably not making the playoffs you know but that could happen should should we dive into the trade rumors and and free agency and and scuttlebutt because you talked about kyle lowry to the pelicans and when i heard about that i was just like that just makes so much sense. Like this is a team that's desperate to keep Zion. You need to bring in a veteran point guard who's yeah. going to help you win. They're going to be able to overpay him if they can, if they can like make dumb short-term decisions like stretching Eric Bledsoe and stuff like that. So I think they, they look at the blueprint of what the Suns did and be like, why can't we be that? We just need this veteran point guard to lead us. And Kyle Lowry is one of the best leaders in the NBA and he's so smart and I think he would help that team tremendously in the short term. And so sign and trade Lonzo, bring him our way. I'd be more than happy for that. That's a lot. I think we'd be getting a lot if we got Lonzo yeah, if, sign and trade. It depends and how much you sign him for. Lonzo but... too. Like Lonzo's a free agent, right? So yeah. Wouldn't it be a sign and trade both ways? I thought that was the rumor of like sign and trade Lonzo for Kyle Lowry. The the Pelicans have to do it. They have to do, could only do a sign and trade because they're over the cap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that you just do it with Lonzo. I was expecting draft capital to come back just because of the wealth of picks they have. Lonzo is our draft capital. That's all we need. I think that would be a great trade. Just straight up one for one. Yeah, I'm I don't. In the I'm skeptical picks. that Lowry is going to want to do that, though. Like, obviously playing with zion is is attractive but new orleans isn't the biggest city on the list of free agents places to go and i don't think you have a ton of confidence that the front office and and team are are there yet to win so i kind of be surprised if if lowry did that it would only make sense i think if they were offering more money in years than anyone else Mm. yeah can i uh, lay out my uh my dream situation here please please so we do this Kyle Lowry to Pelicans looking more for draft capital. Maybe we take back Bledsoe instead God, of no. Lonzo. And we also do the Pascal Siakam to Golden State trade. Get those two first round picks from Golden State. How is this a dream scenario? This, this sounds like a nightmare. Scenario. Then let, it, let him lay out the rest Wiseman of the dream. There. And then you just rebuild around these young guys in OG. And like it's a clean slate, right? You can probably trade Chris Boucher to someone as well. Get a first rounder there. And you just have like a ton of picks. You've blown it up super effectively. And you're probably getting like two first rounders for Kyle in that situation because you're taking back Bledsoe. So for the next two years, we're going to have to watch Eric Bledsoe, Andrew Wiggins, and James Wiseman all play together. No, no, no. You're watching Scotty Barnes, Jalen Suggs try and play, play with, those <laughs> with OG Ananobi and Fred Van Vliet still. Trying to play with. Bledsoe, I'm with Benny. This sounds like a bit more like a nightmare. This sounds oh horrible. Gosh, you'd be so excited. The team would be so young. We'd be at the cheer it for something so that bad. has such a high like, upside. It's such so a bad. toxic mixture of like players that are good and are able to win now in OG and Fred with just like poo. Fred like is, I mean, Fred, maybe you would trade him as well, but like you still have and OG, OG at that point. Just he's like 23. He meets the timeline with these other players and you just have a bunch of first round draft picks. They're going to ruin him. And OG, solid defender, but we can shoot threes. They're not going to ruin OG. He's, he's going to go insane. He's he going to be like, lead. 
coming and from what Suggs, he played who's with. who's a leader as well. You got all these players coming in and Nick Nurse and a great staff. I would love to see the Raptors. I honestly think Nick Nurse might have to get traded. Yeah, they, I think everyone on the, the current team would be like, yeah, no, I'm out. Like I would just OG would just see... be like, I don't want to play basketball anymore. No. You'd get fat. Like, I just, I just want to see the Raptors. Guys, I found a second appendix to take out. Yeah. Bet on their development staff. You know what I mean? Just like say we're the best at developing young talent in the league. We'll take Wiseman. We'll turn him into a useful player. We'll take these draft picks. We'll draft well because that's what we do. And with first round talent, we're gonna have a whole team of Siakams in the next few years. You know what I mean? And I, I, think, I think that'd be just honestly. Cool. I think what the the secret to the Raptors like player development is that. The, they play meaningful minutes and meaningful games where there, there's pressure. Like it's like there's competition for your minutes. And I think the the development sort of <laughs> the development uh, environment in teams that are tanking is just so much worse where, you know, players are just given minutes because there's no one else to give minutes to. And like, you don't really have to prove it. You don't really have to compete. And I, I don't know. I, I just don't think the Raptors organization is going to blow it up like that. I think another thing that you need is also the intelligent players around you. Like yeah. do the Raptors young guys get as good as they are without having Kyle Lowry there to mentor them without having like Gasol, Abaka, and then Fred Van Vliet also with the, you need these super high IQ guys around and we'd be bringing in the opposite of that in Bledsoe, and, Wiggins, and Wiseman. It's like the you also lowest need, IQ players in the league. You also need good the environment. players to play around. Like, you're not going to figure out if someone's game is going to work with other players if they're playing with a bunch of stiffs. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, just, yeah. I just saw that last minute of that Canada versus Czechoslovakia <laughs> game, and I'm just all in on Wiggins now. Yeah. And <laughs> you're just way too excited. I think you've gotten addicted to the draft and you're just way too excited I'm about deep draft in picks. the draft stuff. And you just want us to tank every year and just like be like the 76ers just getting draft picks and just parlaying all our players into more up. draft picks. OKC North. Yeah. Blow it Ugh. up. It's a nightmare. Ben, ben, take me out of this nightmare. What's okay. what's the Raptors vision for, for not being in the lottery again? So I think pivoting to a younger player from Lowry does make some sense. If there is like a Lonzo sign and trade on the board, Lonzo's a guy who'd still help our team right now, even though he's a bit of a downgrade from Lowry, but he makes more sense on the timeline with the rest of the players on the team. So that's a trade to me that would make sense. I also think you could trade Siakam this offseason. Um I know there's been rumors of uh, Simmons-Siakam swap, which I think we need to include some draft capital with that as well, maybe like a protected first-round pick or two in the future. It'd be nice I to would... have Norm, because I think if you put Norm in that trade, that gets done. Really? <laughs> Norm is the is the piece that you, puts Norm and Siakam together? I think the, the Sixers pulled the trigger on that. Oh, yeah, what about so Gary too. Trent? Basically the same thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think they could figure out something that maybe even the trade is like sign and trading Lowry and Siakam to the Sixers for a package of Simmons and Danny Green and like Maxi plus maybe a pick coming back for that. Um, but like I would be okay with so you want to take a gamble on younger players. And so whether that's Simmons, whether that's Lonzo, I think we do need to get a bit younger um, and it'll make more sense than like our team building with our fourth pick because i'm assuming we're not trading that unless we're going for someone like dame and that's another option the raptors have is they could pivot to going all in and trading that fourth pick plus siakam for dame and trying to be competitive in the next year or two and i don't know that doesn't seem like a terrible option to me either i know gavin is shaking his head over there because that's just getting rid of all our draft picks but like you you throw out a lineup of dame lowry fred og plus how do you stop Center. anyone? Like uh, you, you have no front court anymore. You have OG and like Ken Birch, and then you get like another mid-level oh beefy gosh. big Did man. You see what happened You're... this year when we had no front court with Siakam? I mean, Siakam's skin and bones. Lowry is a better center than he is. Oh my god! <laughs> Our <laughs> offense would be god tier. I just think that team would be like. You just all of a sudden you're just taking cl- the the Portland Trailblazers and you're like, okay, let's just be the Portland Trailblazers in the East now. Except because better, like we well, have real. Defense. Are you though? Like Nurkic is better than any center we have. Then you have, okay, we have OG and Siakam, yeah, which we are, have OG. We have OG Those in are this massive context. upgrades. Over we have OG in this has. context, and that's good. But I mean, they have um, 
who do they have? They have Norman Powell, and they also have who's their power forward Steve. there? Uh, um, like Covington. Covington, who's a solid. He's not OG level. There's absolutely no doubt. So we get a small bump there, and CJ McCollum versus Fred Van Vliet. and Kyle Lowry. I mean, I'm leaning CJ. No, um, no, 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 no. Maybe no. not and Kyle Lowry, but you can't play all three of those guys at once. Like that's what, three, two, six. Are two point guard lineups worked? Why not three? Oh my <laughs> gosh, guys! I actually, I actually think that if you put like three point guards plus OG in a center. Like your defense isn't going to be awful. Yeah, I think Kyle Lowry can play up. Fred can also play up a little bit. Like, oh my god! And th- those guys are both legitimately good defenders. And then OG is a good defender. And then I'm like, I, ideally, we'd like to upgrade the center position and not have Kimber starting. I think he's a good backup center, but maybe a little overtaxed as a starting center. So you find a little upgrade there on the margins. And who is that upgrade? Like if we had Gobert in the back in like the front court, I'd be like, okay, he'll just erase the mistakes. But like, who are you finding off the scrap heap? That's going to be like an elite rim defender to hold this whole thing together. Ner- Nerland's Noel done. Boom. <laughs> he, he thinks so. <laughs> I saw that tweet. <laughs> I think that solves all the problems. Kelly so, Olenek is going to be off the scrap heap. Like he would be a good option for just our offense. Yeah. The all offense. level. Okay. Portland. East, what? Here we go. <laughs> What if we just do the, the plain, plainly obvious thing and just re-sign Lowry to a couple more years and right draft at number four? Yeah, that would be fine too. Also, I'm now that I've said Kelly Olynyk, I'm I'm falling in love with the idea of bringing Kelly Olynyk in as our starting center. Just next Team year. Canada plus a few other players. <laughs> and yeah. Cam Birch, the whole front court is just Canadian yeah. centers. That I think Kelly Olynyk would legitimately be a really good fit next to Siakam and OG, though. So I would yeah, be good. With I that. actually think Olynyk would would do well in the Raptors. I um, think so too. I like Olynyk a lot. I think he's just the right kind of offense that we could use from that front court piece. Um, and with the defenders we have in Siakam and OG, it makes sense. You might be able to stitch that together. I just think it'd be funny for Nick Nurse to be like, why did none of you guys play for Team Canada in the qualifying tournament? Like Boucher, <laughs> Birch, yeah. Olenek, you just like, yeah. you just call them all out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> First day of training camp, they're just running suicides. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's totally what it would be because the whole reason Canada lost is they got beat up on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. So, let's uh let's we've talked a lot about sort of the dame rumors which we don't know if he's wants to be traded or not we just know that he's unhappy with the situation there but he's super loyal and then ben simmons which probably is going to happen but you know the raptors i don't think are on his list of teams but that might not matter uh, are Does there ben any other simmons have the power to have a list at this point well, I think, uh, you know, if Does he's Philly going care to, what he wants, <laughs> well, I think that he's, they're just going to go with the best package. And I yeah. don't think that's the Raptors, but probably not. Uh, so are there any other players or big names that I think that could be on the move this offseason? Maybe maybe people outside the box that we're not thinking of. I know like Porzingis is a guy that a lot of people have talked about. Obviously, Kemba Walker now being on OKC is a, it's someone that might be on the move. But uh, is there anyone else that, that that we think could uh, could surprise us? Well, Kawhi and Chris Paul are both technically like could be free agents. Um, yeah, I think. Is it there is any reason? Unlikely. Not, yeah, they're just going to resign, right? Probably, but I mean, the Knicks have cap space, right? Like, apparently, that's where Dame wants to go. Right. So if Dame, yeah, I, like I don't know what package they put together for Dame like all of their future picks, I guess. Um, but I mean, it's just like if Chris Paul, like if Phoenix doesn't want to pay him and he gets insulted by them trying to lowball him, then I could see, I could see the Knicks wanting to pay him. So you think Chris Paul could be on the move? I think potentially, I I, I think there's nothing set in stone here. I think he probably Do does think, care about the I money. Think- <laughs> I think if James Jones doesn't sign Chris Paul, he's getting fired. <laughs> like, yeah, but I mean, you let us do a finals. You can fuck off now. <laughs> as a front office, like, do you want to pay him $40 million a year? Maybe he's asking for 40 and not but, 30, right? But like they have, they're, you know, they're slaves to Robert Sarver, right? Like who is yeah. obviously a very rational person and is going to pay Chris Paul probably. Yeah, they're, Chris Paul, like that's probably the most, like if I was betting, I would bet on him returning. I'm just saying it's, it, there is a chance. There, there might be a chance. But other than that, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head I that have a, on the move. I have a few free agent names that I think could be intriguing for the Raptors. A couple by low candidates that have shown something that impressed me in the past, at least. 
Um, what do you guys think of buying low on Josh Richardson? Fine with that. Yeah. I think that would be a pretty spicy one to take a chance on. Fits the defensive kind of identity of this team would slide in really nicely next to OG and Fred as a shooting guard. It might not help our half court offense that much, but he showed something in Miami. I think, yeah, you, if he wants to come here and you know, he's going to get a shot at the rotation and you're, you're absolutely right. I think, you know, in the past he's been a decent three point shooter. It's kind of fallen off in the last few years, but you know, the defensive ability is there and he's shown some skill in offense and yeah, it didn't work out the last couple of years, but you know, I think it's a good. I think it's, like, worth, it. yeah, I think it's, it's worth a shot. I yeah, think he would definitely little... fit on the Raptors, but yeah. like our, our problems are on offense, and he solves none of those problems. Okay, then I got a couple offensive names you might like more, Ben. Give okay, and obviously offense. Kelly Olynyk was on the list, but you already mentioned him. What about Malik Monk or Larry Markkinen as restricted free agents? I love Malik Monk, but like getting him for cheap, hopefully. <laughs> well, I think you might be able to, considering the backlog of guards that Charlotte has. I mean. They're probably I think Charlotte's not going to be interested him, in play, paying him like $10 million a year. Yeah, if he's uh, getting I, 10 mil seems pricey for him. I think you you definitely do your homework on marketing because getting talented guys from crappy markets is, you know, it's always a way to buy low. But, you know, that, I think there's some serious questions about sort of his, his yeah. feel and his effort. I follow a few Bulls people on Twitter and yeah. they hate marketing. He is apparently just awful at defense and just yeah, empty is, calorie but... scorer. He's just like, but your big man and can't being... play defense. It's pretty much death. He's athletic. He can space the floor, and he's a big guy. I think that's worth taking a shot on because if he can, if you can fix his defense, like he's been in Chicago, right, and they've been awful and with bad coaching, and you know may- maybe on the Raptors it makes sense. Real bad. What about bringing back DeMar DeRozan? No. <laughs> I refuse. I mean, it would make the team good. We'd make the playoffs. There's no doubt about it. But we'd just be in the same mediocrity wormhole we were in before, which wasn't bad. I guess we got out of it in a nice way. But I don't know if any other team is going to make... I don't think we can bank on the Kawhi Leonard trade again. Yeah. Another guy that is actually a free agent and could fit well in the Raptors is Duncan Robinson. If we If we don't resign Lowry and we have we'll have about 20 25 million dollars in cap space I think um and paying Duncan Robinson 20 million dollars a year yeah I think that, wouldn't that's be terrible right too. yeah yeah I think it'd be okay yeah yeah the Raptors could use more more spacing more shooting like the Raptors you know their coaching staff is great they're going to make them take 12 threes a game so yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I'm in agreement. So there's some interesting moves to be made around the margins. I think it's all going to depend on what direction the Raptors want to do it. If they want to go all in, if they want to blow it up, or they want to just kind of hold Pat, maybe re-sign Kyle Lowry and pick up some guys around the margins or not sign him and then pick up some guys around the margins anyways and make a run at the sixth seed. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I really hope if they're not re-signing Lowry, they have a plan for using that money and it's not just picking up scrap heap guys because... Losing Lowry and not replacing him with anything meaningful would be a pretty big blow to this team. I think would maybe put them at least to the fringes of the playoffs. Like I think if they do run it back with their current roster plus the fourth pick, they they're pretty good chance of making the playoffs. Like they got unlucky this year, but if they just lose Lowry, then all of a sudden you're probably a play-in team, and that's well, not a great plus spot to be. If we just look at these options and see where they lead, right? Like if you. Don't sign Kyle Lowry. You pick up, I don't know, Josh Richardson and Duncan Robinson. And you get your fourth pick and you just run it back. Like your path to championship is that fourth pick, like being a superstar, right? Is that really yeah. what we're talking about? Okay. Yeah. And if you but that's not that's not a bad path. Like yeah. Okay. You re-sign Kyle Lowry and maybe or maybe you do something to get Ben Simmons or Damien Lillard. Let's say you do something like that to kind of go all in, so to speak. Um, does that net you a championship, do you guys think? I mean, it gets you to that fringe contender tier where you just have to get lucky. Like, you just need other teams to get hurt because, like, you're still going to be underdogs against the Nets, probably the Bucks, maybe the Sixers, depending on what they do. And it's like, yeah, like, you you need to get lucky still, for sure. Um, Okay. This is kind of why I was leaning towards the blow it up because I thought it was like... 
You just spin the race. But with blowing it up, you need to get a lot luckier because you need to hit on multiple picks. And it's just like, as soon as you get bad, it's hard to get good again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm in favor of, of, you know, if, if Lowry wants to go, you know, try to get something back for him. If he wants to stay, keep him. Draft at four. You know, like bank on your scouting and your player development that you can get lucky and get a superstar at four. Like maybe we should talk about a bit about the draft. I know Gavin and I talked we a bit about it, it we last Ben's episode. Takes, but Ben, we we I think we're Gavin and I are both assuming that it's going to be Jalen Suggs at four. Why? Um, what about Scotty that, Barnes? Well, we did talk a bit about Scotty Barnes, but. Uh, I just can't see the Raptors drafting a player that can't shoot and has like almost no offensive game outside of passing. But that's just me. Okay. Talk I me mean, into Scotty Burns. Like, what, what's well, your opinion? I thought you were going to go be like, oh, there's going to be some massive fuck up with a draft and Evan Mobley's going to fall. Well, I mean, yes. If Evan Mobley falls, if Jalen Green falls, if Cade somehow falls, <laughs> like, I think falling. those to me are the top three guys. Mm-hmm. But. Scotty Barnes might have the most potential of anyone in this draft. He's very athletic, can defend every position, is just an elite defender, like, and he's always going to be useful on that end of the floor. And then on offense, he pretty much has a complete game outside of shooting. Like he's a decent ball handler, can pass well. If if that jump shot develops, it's, well, he he has no one on one game. He has no shot creation. Terrible free throw shooter. Like. Like it's it's not just that he can't shoot. It's like there's other holes in his offensive game. Like he avoids contact, so he doesn't have to shoot free throws. Yeah, but these things can be worked on. Like I think yes, ceiling I guess wise, I'm, yes, he there's potential. He can sure. get there. Um, and I think people love his work ethic and his intelligence. Um, and so to me, he he's the highest upside pick there. And if you're the Raptors, Jalen Suggs. What's his ceiling like? Chris Paul. High level. You think he? Oh, okay. If, I mean, I guess if you think he's can I be as good as Chris ceiling. Paul, I think that's ce- uh, maybe a better shooter, but maybe a little worse. <laughs> Chris Paul, like- but a better shooter. Okay, I take it back. Let's draft Jalen Suggs. If that's oh. if that's where we're, if that's where Suggs' ceiling is at, then I'm all aboard. I was thinking like high, like he's a good starter, like maybe fringe All Star at some point in his career, but. Like that, if if he's gonna be Chris Paul with a better shot, let's get him. I like well, that player. I think, I think it's like who you said. What's that? What's the NBA player that's a cross between Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook? <laughs> John Morant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, John Morant's can, awesome. Like John Morant's gonna have a super good career if if Jalen Suggs is John Morant level. Right, let's get let's get him. Um, well, can I just for a second here? Like, I want to walk. Like, I'm not saying that he's perfectly Chris Paul. That's kind of Aaron's piece of it, but like. Okay. I think of Suggs as being like nowhere near the half court operator that. that yeah, I don't think he's there either. Chris Paul yeah, that was my vibe. It's an aggressive comparison. I think it's yeah. more of like Alonzo with a better shot, is what you're getting with Suggs. Yeah, and, which and is like Alonzo that can drive, like, and it's not afraid to drive. Like, yeah, yeah the finishing might not be elite, but it's also there, not going to be like where Lonzo is at the Lonzo, bottom. And I, I also think he's he's not as good of a passer as Lonzo. Like he's a solid passer, but not like Lonzo does some pretty special like p- fast break passes that yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Suggs is there. I, like, like Suggs I, main strength is the hit ahead pass. Yeah, but like Lonzo is like the best in the NBA yeah. at that. Yeah. So I don't know. But like Scotty Barnes to me, it's like if if he does hit, you know, he could be top 15 level player because he's got the size and athleticism. And Jalen Suggs is probably capping out around 25, 30, like at its peak. And so you just like, you need, you need that top 10, 15 guy. And if you're the Raptors, like you desperately need that high end talent. And so taking that gamble to me is probably worth it, but they also want to be good right now. And Scotty Barnes is probably a bit more of a project than Jalen Suggs is. I think Jalen mm-hmm. Suggs could play right away and be useful. And I'm not sure Scotty Barnes could. Well, I just think Suggs, like, he projects to be a pretty good shooter, but if he takes a step further than that and becomes one of the better shooters in the league, like, he's going to be all-star every year at that point. And he has a lot of the charisma and leadership qualities and, like, clutchness that we've seen the Raptors really like in the past. And I think he's just a really nice suitor if we don't re-sign Kyle Lowry to bring in have Fred take under his wing. Like it just seems like a great transition. You're getting someone who could be another all-star point guard 
who does the little things around the edges and can do that other stuff as well. Just like Kyle Lowry. Like I, I think it's a really smooth fit. By all accounts, the Scotty Barnes is also that guy where he's like a high character. Yeah. You know, he's gonna your organization's gonna be better for drafting him, but I don't know. There's been lots of guys that have been drafted way too high because they were solid people. Mm. Yeah. And I I guess we're like we're blessed with only having good options at the number four pick because all yeah. these guys are in a tier of talent that is elite. Like there's not a huge drop off from the top three guys to whoever's left at the fourth. And so I think whoever the Raptors draft, we're going to have a good player that we can get excited about. What Any a chance that we get one of the top three guys at number four? Big chance. I think I'd so. Say. Yeah. I, I, What's the scenario there? So to me, the scenario is that neither, like Houston seems that they want Jalen Green. And then Cleveland has a bit of an awkward fit with Mobley. Like they have Jared Allen that they need to pay this offseason. Um, and I'm assuming they're going to pay him still. And so then all of a sudden you're locked into a long-term deal with Jared Allen and you have to play Evan Mobley alongside him. And they could look at that and be like, okay, we we actually need a guard or a wing. And they fall in love with Jalen Suggs or Scotty Barnes or Kaminga, who we haven't really talked about, but he seems to kind of slipped a bit down in the draft. Um, and if they're trading, there's rumors that they might be looking to trade Colin Sexton as well. And so then all of a sudden, if you trade Colin Sexton, you have a gaping hole for Jalen Suggs to fill. Um, mm-hmm. I do think it's unlikely because Evan Mobley seems to be <laughs> Gavin, like you're the Evan top Mobley's prospect. agent. And oh, you know, I do anything and I you know that Cunningham, and you know that Cunningham and Green are going one two. What are you telling Mobley to do in his workout with Cleveland? Anything I could to get him to the Raptors. If I was any of these guys' agents, I'd be doing that, though. I think No, no, because the, the money difference is pretty big between one and four. I know, like, but I, I just wouldn't... think for their career, like a lot of the time it's about fit in the situation more than it is about, um, you know, where you're drafted and how good that that person that player is like where they get drafted matters a lot for their overall career and their next contract and i think the raptors are the best situation for any of these guys i i don't completely agree because to me houston and detroit just have these gaping talent voids where Cade and jalen green can go in and dominate the ball and take as many shots as they want and for their careers that's probably like the best move in terms of getting paid and like getting yeah, that agent, star agents status see this as a as a financial thing right like not only do you get a lot more money in your first contract by being the ball dominant guy you're going to get more money in your second too even, you don't, even if you're not as good or contributing to winning as you would be on a team like the Raptors. yeah if if we draft jalen green or jalen suggs hypothetically they could be coming off the bench in their first year right yeah like that's that to me was actually probably like somewhat likely if we draft one of those guys that they're starting on the bench and as an agent looking at that, I'd be like, fuck no, I don't want that. Whereas Evan Mobley, if he comes to the Raptors, starting center, no questions asked, slot him in, and we have great players around him that will help him grow. Like I think definitely the best situation for Evan Mobley. The rest of the guards, I'm not so sure on. Yeah. I do think the most likely one to follow is Evan Mobley because it does seem like the Rockets are really interested in Jalen Green. And Cleveland, there's been these rumors about Colin Sexton and Jared Allen and... I mean, looking at the draft boards from a lot of the experts, like you have Suggs as high as two in a lot of boards. And it's not like it just takes one team to say, you know what? Suggs is our guy. We like him or even Scotty Barnes, perhaps. But I think Suggs is more likely looking at the boards I've seen. And then all of a sudden we get Mobley. Like, I, yeah. I don't think it's out of the question. I'd say there's a solid chance it happens. It's probably less than 40%, but it's right in there. I think around 30, 25 yeah, I think something else to think about, though, is that if Cleveland doesn't want to draft Mobley, they could trade down and potentially get... Could they trade down with the Raptors, though? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could trade up, give a future first to get Mobley. I don't know. Yeah. Like, maybe. Uh, it just... It would seem like there'd be another team that might want to jump up from, like, the sixth spot or something like that. I don't know. I forget who's in the sixth spot right now off the top of my head. But OKC. Um, but, yeah, they they might love Evan Mobley. So. If you're in fourth and you're trading up to third and they said, we don't want Mobley, do you want him? Like, how much are you going to have to give up? Are we going to well, give up, like, our two second-round picks this draft? I think they'd be playing him? leverage of, like, you... If you like, don't we'll trade him to trade, someone we'll else. We'll trade him to yeah. someone else, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're going to take Evan Mobley. And so... That's fair. 
they could leverage it, but then if they still want Suggs and they're worried about Suggs being off the board at six, then they'd be like, we want to do this trade with you, but you have to give us another pick. Um, and that, that, I mean, that would make sense for Cleveland to do, but I don't know. Lots of unknown. This draft is going to be very exciting and there could be some spicy trades on draft night. Like the Warriors, if they draft and keep both of their picks on draft night, that is going to be almost unfathomable to me. If um, if they if they are drafting on draft night, like for themselves, yeah, that's, that's just like exactly like if there's yeah. not trades in like announced as like with their picks, I'm going to be shocked because they have to have learned the lesson from drafting Wiseman. Like as soon as you draft someone, their value goes down unless you've hit the jackpot and their name is Lamelo Ball, um, and. Like they just can't take that risk this year and try and play with a couple more rookies. Like they have to trade these picks. And so there's guaranteed to be trades on draft night, um, which is going to be exciting. Yeah. The uh, Orlando magic, I think have five and eight. So, you know, that's, that's a lot of talent that they can add it to their team. But, yeah. They uh, could be, they could parlay those into the third pick for sure. For sure. I think that's what a lot of people and are get another big man. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe sucks. Yeah. yeah. True. Yeah, they can, the Orlando Magic there. could set the record for the fewest players it takes to hold hands end to end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're just the wings fans. Yeah, uh, yeah. All right, what else we got? Is that it, boys? I think that's it. That's all we have. All right, you want me to finish take it, it home off. here? Finish it off. Oh, email us though. All right, yeah, guys. If anyone's got an email to send us, RaptorsReviewMail at gmail.com. That's RaptorsReviewMail at gmail.com. Other than that, I think the rest of our summer schedule is going to be, we're probably going to have a draft recap episode after the draft. And then after that, we might take a bit of a break until there's real breaking free agency news for the Raptors. We'll probably have a free agency podcast at some point reacting to whatever moves the Raptors make. But the summer is definitely going to slow down from here on out for podcasts. And then we'll dive back into things in the fall. Guys, guys. What do you got, Aaron? This is the end of our first season, if you will. Oh, the we still got the draft. The- I mean, the draft count as next season? Yeah, the draft is next season. Okay. All right. We have completed one year of Raptors Review podcast. Yeah. This is That's momentous. Pretty amazing. It's, been, it's been awesome. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully we can do another year. Yeah. Yeah many more years to come hopefully all right thanks for listening bye bye